in our family, the Martin family, we love all things Marvel and all <laughs> things that involve superheroes. We Especially WandaVision. WandaVision currently. right now, just <laughs> blowing our minds. We love it. Um, you know, some of the draw to superheroes is obviously the desire to have superpowers. You know, like maybe the ability to fly, maybe some super strength. Um, but the draw of superheroes really isn't just their super abilities. A big draw of superheroes is that they use their superpowers with a sense of purpose. Because, you know, if we only liked superheroes for their superpowers, then, you know, we might as well like supervillains. But we don't like them as much. <laughs> we like superheroes because they have this great sense of purpose. And we're drawn to how they use their gifts for a higher and greater purpose. They use their gifts in a way that really blesses the whole world. And you might be wondering, why are you starting this podcast talking about superheroes? <laughs> Here's why. Our marriages, um, they you know, they might not have the flash and the bang of superpowers and spandex, but <laughs> our marriages... Sometimes spandex. <laughs> sometimes spandex, that's true. But our marriages are a gift given to us by God. Marriage is given to us, one, so that we can enjoy it, but... Um, there are other reasons why God has given us marriage. God loves to give us good gifts, but he also gave us the gift of marriage for an even greater purpose than we might be aware of. Our non-flashy marriages have the ability, honestly, to change the world around us. There's something really heroic about two people sacrificially loving each other to the end in a committed and an exclusive relationship. Mm. So how do our marriages change the world around us? Well, that's what we're going to be talking about today on our podcast. And we are so glad that you're here joining us on Thank the podcast. Thank you for joining us. If this is your first time here, my name is Jonathan. And I'm Emily. And together, as we said, we are the Martin family. I feel like especially today we should be like, dun 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 dun. dun, dun. Yeah, we need and like. together we are. I'm going to have to find some superhero music to the play. The Marvel Martins. Underneath <laughs> the, the Marvel, mighty M's. The Marvelous Martins. We uh, have three super kiddos, Judah is our eight-year-old. I keep almost saying seven, but he no. turned eight, and that's sad. I, I I love that and don't love that all at the same time. <laughs> and then June, who is still our two-year-old, thankfully. Yes. She hasn't turned three yet, but that's coming soon. And as of the day that we are recording this podcast, I'm sitting across from you, Emily, and you are... Really pregnant. Gonna pop any moment. I am propped up by all of the things. So I'm right glad now, we guys. got these recordings in before yes. you, you know, give way to childbearing. <laughs> and that is coming any any day now because we're in less than two weeks from the due date. Yes, except that you told me last night that I needed to prepare myself for two weeks or a month. Because Ugh. we're two weeks away from the due date. I can't even handle that. And then we could have to wait another up to two weeks after the due date i mean so we just we just gotta wait it out pray with us guys but by the time you're listening to this podcast there's a chance that baby number three has you know come into the world and we now officially have three babies this side of the womb so <laughs> i hope that that has happened <laughs> name of baby three is a mystery though so you might be wondering you know you said judah and june's name what's the name of baby three that will be revealed when he is here. This is our first time not revealing the baby name. So if you, you know, you're know you not, you might want to be following us on our social media platforms, especially things like Instagram and YouTube, because that's likely where it's going to be announced first. You know, our email yes. list and then Instagram and YouTube. And of course, we will let you know here on the podcast as well. But if you're dying to know the baby name, go ahead and go follow us on Instagram, YouTube, 
wherever you are located online. And uh, you can find us, Jonathan and Emily Martin is our handle, basically everywhere. And I just have to share <laughs> what you've been doing because it's brilliant. We were so scared that we were going to accidentally let this baby name slip, mainly in front of Judah, because if he found out, then the rest of the world would find the out. The reason is because when you and I are just talking, we're constantly referring to baby three by their name. Yes. And so then we're like, oh, dang it. What if we accidentally let it slip? So Jonathan unbeknownst to me, kind of came up with this backup plan where pretty much every day for like the last four to six months, you have said, hey, your brother Zach, or so his name's not Zach, guys. Judah really wants his name to be Zach. But he has said a false name almost every day so that the day that he accidentally did let the name slip, which he did, Judah had no idea. So basically, whenever we're talking in earshot of the kids, without acknowledging the kids, I'll just talk about baby three and I'll just say a, a random name. I'll say, yeah, when Jeremy gets here, we'll just blah, 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 <laughs> blah, 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 blah. And then Judah has picked up by now. He'll go, the baby's name is not Jeremy. And he's just caught on. And it's great because, yes, every day, really multiple times a day, I just pick a different name and I randomly <laughs> talk about baby as if that's its name. And that was helpful because there was one day in particular <laughs> where we were just talking and I completely forgot that the kids were sitting right there with us. And oh I, I said the actual baby name. My eyes got so big. And you nearly gave it away. I did. I reacted so extremely. But because I had been conditioning Judah to not believe <laughs> anything that I said about baby names. That's sheer brilliance. He was like, that's not baby name. And I was like, you're right. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. Hmm. So anyway, they've heard baby name three, but they have no idea that that's what his name is. So <laughs> any day now, due date is March 6th. Uh, the day we are recording this is February 22nd. Second. So we will see when baby number three arrives. <clears throat> um, before we delay diving into today's podcast anymore, uh, we just wanted to say first of all, that we are thrilled by how many of you have joined us for our 28-day marriage challenge. Yes. We've been going through this series on marriage here on the podcast, and I've uh, been talking about it in our email uh, newsletter that we send out, and we have about 200 marriages that are going through our free 28-day marriage challenge with us, and we're just so, so glad to have you because a lot of you are also listening here on the podcast. If you're listening and you're like, that's not me. I haven't done that. And you haven't jumped in yet and you want to have no fear because you can still go through this full 28 day of marriage challenge. It's not over. It's not something that you've missed completely yet. Um, it's free right now. That's the other thing. It might not be free forever and we might not have it available forever. Um, but right now it is a free daily email challenge that if you sign up, you'll receive 28 days that are designed to encourage you in your marriage. Each daily email challenge that you get has a marriage tip, a marriage challenge, a daily scripture to meditate on and pray uh, about for your marriage. And really the sign up is super easy. You can just go to the show notes for this episode, which I can't even believe I'm saying this, but we're at episode number 40. So you go to jonathanandemilymartin.com slash episode 40, and you'll see an easy place to sign up for our 28 day marriage challenge. And I think it will be an encouragement and a blessing to your marriage if you want to do that. Um, so you can go and sign up there. Last thing, um, if you've been listening to this podcast for a while and enjoying the podcast, 
we first of all just want to say thank you for joining yes. us and we really would love your help doing a couple a couple of things um we've just been trying to over this last year as we've built this podcast just create um lots of valuable episodes um and we haven't done a lot to try to grow the podcast um but if the lord would have it we would like to grow and we would love to reach more families and uh, there are a couple of ways that you maybe can help us do that First of all, if you haven't yet, please take some time to go and rate and review this podcast. Uh, wherever you listen to the podcast, go there, review it, rate it. Um, that encourages all the internet algorithms to suggest this podcast to more people just like you. Um, it lets the internet people know that folks are listening and enjoying the content here. Um, and so it's actually really helpful when you take a second to head over and uh, leave us a comment or a review and then just hit that rate button you know, five stars is preferable, but we want you to be honest. So, and, and honestly, if you, if you can't give us five stars, maybe we'll just learn from that. You know, maybe we'll just be like, how can we make up the stars? Yeah. <laughs> we we will, need to we're learn willing about this. to learn. Let's, let's do this. Uh, the second thing that you can do, we do have a kind of big ask. Now, this is a big one. These are only for those of you who really love this podcast and are really enjoying it and encouraged by it. Um, we want to ask you to share this podcast with five people that you think would benefit from the content that we talk about here. Family worship, uh, marriages, really just all things family, all things God's word, um, all things discipleship as we go um, through our daily lives and in our homes. That's what we love to talk about here and what we plan to continue to talk about. And so um, there are people just like you who might really love to be a part of these conversations with us and uh, might benefit from them. So um, maybe pick your favorite episode if you have an episode that you've really enjoyed and share that with them and then tell them why you enjoy the podcast and why you think they will too. So our challenge again is is to ask you to share it with five people, maybe five families, five couples, or just five people. <laughs> I mean, honestly, one of my favorite things to do is just to text friends my favorite podcast episodes that I think would be helpful. So that would make us so honored and excited if you guys wanted to do that. And then also, if you are on social media, especially Instagram, and you happen to be listening to the podcast and you want to just take a screenshot of the podcast and stick it on your feed, we would love to be able to get some conversation going online just to get more people over here uh, to be hopefully have this podcast be as a blessing to as many families as possible. Yes, absolutely. Those would be extremely helpful things as we try to reach and encourage more and more families. So thank you in advance for doing that. We just are so thankful genuinely for you and thankful that you're just here with us. Um, but I think those are all of the kind of announcement -y housekeeping notes, things. housekeeping notes. And so why don't we just jump into how to be a superhero? Yes. <laughs> Wait, really quick. If yes. you could have any superpower, what would you have? Oh, I mean, I know man. what, I'm pretty sure I know what it is, well, but you know what yours is or you know what mine is? I know what yours is Ooh. unless you've changed it. I mean, it would be a toss up between moving things with my mind <laughs> or flying. Is that what you would have thought? Yeah, it is a toss up because we now have automatic lights in our house and Jonathan likes to, uh, he likes to control them with Alexa and then pretend like he's moving them They're with his hands. They're called smart lights, Emily. <laughs> They're not automatic lights. I think that might be it. I think that might be your number one. I think my number one would be moving objects with my mind as well because I could clean the house really fast like Mary Poppins. Yeah, that would be super beneficial. And, you know, depending on the strength of your ability to lift things with your mind, you could maybe also help yourself fly 
by moving because right. you know you like magneto or something you could like okay. wear boots that you just make sore through the ear i'm just saying okay so you could get two in one there fair <clears throat> maybe a good thing to do on social media is to see if people would want to let us know or through email you know what your superpower of choice would be that would be fun to hear <laughs> i like it anyway um <laughs> In regards to marriage in the real world, since we don't have superpowers as of now in the real world, um, what what makes our seemingly normal and mundane marriages heroic? Um, how do our marriages impact the world around us? That's the name of this episode and what we want to talk about today. And I think it's really important because it it's really true that our marriages have an impact not only on our lives, but really on the world. Um, and so we have just a couple points that we wanted to talk through today. Um, we are loving this book um, that we're reading in our book club called oh my goodness. Marriage and the Mystery of the Gospel by Ray Ortland, Ray Ortland who is one of the pastors at our church. Um, he used to be like the, the lead teaching pastor. Uh, now he is kind of the pastor of pastors at our church. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's wonderful. And we're reading this really short book with our book club and have loved it. So if you want this book, um, you can also go and find it on the show notes here for this episode. And we'll stick the links for the book club if you want to jump in on discussion. Yeah. I do want to say that one thing I love about this book, it's in a series of, it's called a short series in biblical theology. And it basically is a series of really short, compact books that are power packed with awesomeness where they take different topics and they look at it throughout the whole of scripture. So this has been so amazing for me to go through. This is my first time reading this book, but I've typically only really looked at the marriage passages in the new Testament. Mm -hmm. And so to get a comprehensive look at what marriage was created to be from the very beginning and in the whole of scripture has been huge for me. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well mentioned that because a lot of what we're talking about today has been informed by this wonderful book that we're reading and, uh, and, and then also obviously God's word, but the, the three points we kind of were wanting to talk about was the first one being that marriage impacts the world because the marriage tells the truth about reality and about the world that we live in. And it tells the truth about the ultimate reality, the greatest reality, which is it tells us the truth about God himself. Mm. Um, you know, let's back up though, just a minute. And one thing that marriage tells us the truth about in our desire to be in a relationship, our desire to not only be in a relationship, but be in a committed relationship where we're known and we know another person is it tells us the truth about our need for things like love and community and communion with others. Um, a lot of times, you know, we can think that we are fine in isolation and that we are fine without people. But last I checked, even introverts have a desire to be in a relationship. (laughs) You know, um, we all in us have this longing to be with people. And marriage is one of the things that God has given us to tell us the truth. You know, at the very beginning in Genesis, God said that it, it wasn't good for Adam to be alone. And that's because God has made us in a way where we long for community. We long to be in relationship. Um, we It's not good for us to live in isolation. And so that's one thing that marriage 
speaks the truth about. But even deeper, if we dig dig deeper, and what we've already mentioned is that uh, marriage tells us the truth about God. Um, the fact that we desire community and we need community and we we want and long for relationships um, reveals the truth about God because he, we are made in His image, mm-hmm. and this truth. Um, shows us a truth about God himself, that he exists even in himself in community, that we, you know, this is at the very beginning in Genesis, we see the the beginnings of learning about God being a triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, that God exists in community, that God is love, that love has to exist in community, or love only exists in community. And so um, marriage just begins to tell us the truth about our reality as human beings, but also marriage begins to tell us the truth about God. I loved this section of the book because, well, a few things just really hit me about ultimate reality. Um, To quote Ray, he says, love is God's nature, a fundamental characterization of his Trinitarian being. The Bible helps us see that we live in a universe where ultimate reality is relational. And it took me a while to to really boil that down. But I, I loved how he dove into just the fact, A, that I, I've, I've always known in Genesis that God said it was not good that man was alone. But thinking about this, this was the pre-fall. This was in a perfect world. Mm-hmm. And God said that everything was good. And then he looked at it and he wasn't like, oh, this could be better. Like he actually said, no, this is not good. Yeah. Um, it was an emphatic, this is not finished. Uh, and then to just see how God created man to have community with a woman creates this beautiful head and helper relationship that didn't happen again after the fall, uh, where I think so often we, especially I think as women have a hard time looking at this head and helper relationship and seeing the beauty in it and seeing how it reflects God himself. We see it as, Oh, I need to be submissive to my husband and that's how I honor God. And that's all completely true. But I loved how Ray brought this out in the book, how God reflects both head and helper in this relationship, this ultimate truth, this ultimate reality that we are going to be forever living in because God himself several times in the Bible says that he is our helper. And then we've got all of these things folded in. Uh, when we think about our relationship in our marriage and then God's relationship with within himself uh, as the Trinity, I'm going to read one more quick quote um, from the Bible. First Corinthians 11, three, it says the head of every man is Christ. The head of a wife is her husband and the head of Christ is God. Headship did not come down to us historically as an artifact. It became, it began in heaven and it came down to this world as a pathway to human flourishing. And it was just really cool for me to see how this ultimate truth is that we're there's this head and helper relationship in every part of our relationship with one another in marriage, God within himself with God, the father being Christ's head and then Christ being our head. And ultimately we're, we're headed for a reality that is beautifully relational that we get to reflect in our marriages. Absolutely. And I feel like it's important to mention here that, that just because in marriage or like in our desire to be married, that communicates a truth, a deep truth about who we are, and it communicates a deep truth about who God is, just like we've been saying. It's not to say that 
being single is less than or because the Bible, you know, we've already covered in past podcast episodes that marriage is a gift from God. Marriage was God's idea. But in the same way, Paul talks about singleness as being a gift from God Mm. as well. So marriage and singleness, both gifts from God. It's just that in our desire to be in a relationship, even even as a single person, our desire to be in a relationship, our desire to be in a committed, loving relationship that is marriage um that reveals a truth about who we are and who we're made to be in that we long for relationships Mm. we aren't made to be in isolation and it reveals a truth about who god is that he exists in relationship um but it doesn't mean that unless we're married we are like not not be able to experience not complete or not being able to experience that um what it can show us is that even as single people we should strive to not um, live in isolation that we need people we need friends we need the church of God um, because ultimately all of us as Christ followers we are the bride of Christ and and we are the family of God together so I just wanted to make that point in case anybody's listening who's single because I think sometimes when we are emphasizing marriage Um, because it's good for us to talk about the good gift of marriage. The Bible celebrates it. We should celebrate marriage as a church. Um, Celebrating marriage isn't the same as kind of like poo-pooing on singleness because both of them are a gift from God. Um, It's just that marriage um, communicates some some deep truths about who God is. And I think singleness can you know, can also teach us some deep truths about who God is. Jesus himself was single in his Mm. life here on earth. He wasn't a married person. Um, And Paul too encourages us that if we can, and you know, be single, if we can, if we have that gift from God to be able to be single, that he would even recommend that. Um, So it's this living out singleness can teach us about how we can truly find our ultimate satisfaction, the longings of our hearts in God and in our relationships together Mm -hmm. as a church. So anyway, um, I just wanted to make that clear, but I think there are different um, members of the body. You know, Paul also talks about how we as the church are different members. And so marriage is people who are married are just a different kind of body part, speaking a different truth, showing a different truth about who God is. Mm-hmm. And so that's what we're really talking about with marriage. Um, the second thing that we wanted to mention um, is that, yes, marriage tells us the truth. But really, the deepest truth that marriage tells us about is Christ's love for his church. And this is where our marriages, as you know, mundane as they can be or as simple as they can feel, um, they become heroic and profound. In fact, um, profound is the word that Paul uses in Ephesians 5.32 when he talks about marriage. He says that marriage is a mystery, a profound mystery. You know, we just thought that marriage was for us. (laughs) You know, we just thought, and it it is for us. God gave us this great gift and it's just for us. But, you know, it turns out that there's actually a mysteriously grand meaning and purpose behind the fact that marriage exists in the world. Um, And this is true about marriage in general, but it's also true about our individual marriages. It's true about my marriage. It's true about your marriage. Um, There is mysteriously profound meaning and purpose. 
uh, in our relationship together, in this covenantal relationship that we have with our spouses. Um, And I just wanted to read a little bit from an article that I found on Desiring God by David Mathis, where he's just talking about this mystery, um, because I just loved what he had to say. He says, mystery is a common word in the New Testament, and only rarely does it refer to what we might expect. Something enduringly mysterious that remains puzzling or uncertain. Rather, mystery typically means what was hidden, concealed, or unclear in the past, but now has been revealed in light of Christ's coming in his gospel. Mystery is not a secret to keep, but a truth to tell. I love that. Oh, I love it too. And that's what our marriages do is it's not that like we're trying to keep hidden and like there's this secret mystery about our marriages. Our marriages exist to reveal this, to tell the truth about this mystery, to like make it known. Anyway, he goes on to say, for millennia, humans the world over married and were given in marriage across cultures and societies. They felt a strange pull not to just procreate, but to commit though they didn't know God's deeper reason why. And even God's covenant people entrusted with his oracles, they didn't know why. There was indeed a great mystery to marriage. Why did God design the world this way? Why two sexes? Why one male and the other female? Why one called to lead, provide, protect, and shoulder final responsibility with the other called to actively receive, beautify, and strengthen uh, humble initiative and care? Why a dance of two complementaries rather than just two of the same? Did God simply make marriage what it is for no reason? Some must have wondered, or is there an answer to the riddle? Is marriage pointing? Is there some deep magic that discloses a cosmic meaning? Paul emphasized with the the mystified, those mystified that are wondering this I'm adding a little bit to this article, um, but he empathized with this mystery and he said, the mystery is profound, but in Christ, he had now found the key. I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. And um, he goes on to talk about how in Colossians, Paul unpacks the stewardship from God that was given to me and you. And that stewardship is to make known the full and hidden mysteries of ages and generations, but now has been revealed to the saints. Far from keeping this secret quiet, Paul wants Christians to reach the full assurance and riches and understanding and knowledge and mystery of God in Christ, in whom are hidden all treasures, wisdom, and knowledge. Mm. And uh, it makes me, you know, we're studying Proverbs as our, in, at our church uh, in our kind of Bible study groups. And it uh, just makes me think about wisdom, too, and how, you know, in Proverbs wisdom is like the secret magic of life. Um, Mm -hmm. That's how Proverbs talks about wisdom. And, and it's like this hidden magical thing that helps our lives run well, because it's the wisdom of God for our lives. Um, But that secret, you would think it's like this, you know, scarce thing that like, you know, someone's made it super difficult to find. Like I think about national treasure, you know, like maybe God has like, when we, when we say that God is hidden in Christ or, or something like that, we might think that God is, you know, hiding it away and making it super difficult to find. But what we see in Proverbs, which is amazing, is that wisdom actually is calling out in the streets and like almost, be- not almost, is totally begging all of us to come and discover the hidden and secret mysteries and treasures and life-giving help of wisdom and that's what's true here about the mystery of 
things like marriage and uh, these things hidden in Christ that that like there's all these things in the world that are speaking truths about who God is. But now that Christ has come, now we see what was there to see and we were blinded. It's a mystery because we're blinded by sin and we're blinded um, by our lack of knowing who God is and our lack of caring to know who God is. But when Christ came, he uh, through the gospel revealed all of these mysteriously hidden things, mm-hmm. all these like clues. Again, it makes me, I mean, this is just an episode obviously about superheroes and Marvel, but it makes me think about <laughs> shows like WandaVision if you've watched it or or maybe if you have a show where like you're watching it and part of the fun of the show is you're trying to find all the hidden buried mm-hmm. secrets and clues throughout. Um, it's, it's not any fun to have those secret hidden clues if the point is to never find out about them or if the point is for only a couple of people to learn about them. The whole point of the buried Easter eggs and clues is that, you know, they want eventually for everyone to see and know about it. And it it all comes together and it makes sense game and puzzle. And I think you and I resonate together on that's what one of the things we love about God's word is how often you know, God's word explains itself across Old Testament and New Testament and how one thing helps us discover this thing. And we, we kind of nerd out about that. Oh, stuff. I totally am geeking out about it. I promise not to make this a long sidebar, but my favorite study I've ever done is a study uh, on the first five app by Lisa Turkirst. I never know how to say her last name, but <laughs> it's Leviticus and Hebrews. And it's taking Leviticus, which everybody's thinking like, this is the most boring book ever. It's all these sacrifices and all these rules and I have no idea what all of this means, but connecting it with Hebrews and seeing how every sacrifice and everything that God uh, called his people to be obedient to ultimately had the mystery was unveiled and revealed when Jesus came as the perfect sacrifice and was the fulfillment of all the things. And that is so beautiful to think about in the Old Testament and then through the wisdom literature, it's obvious that God is all about creating marriage and it's beautiful and he's praising it. He's referring to his people uh, as a lover, but it's not until we get to the New Testament to see how Jesus, our bridegroom, comes and shows us exactly what this was all meant to point to. Yeah, absolutely. It That's that's what's so cool about our marriages is that uh, it puts this these mysteries of God, these huge revelations. It's like the last episode of a series. It's like, oh my, that's what that's who God is, and that's what our marriages can reveal to the world. Um, that's what our desires to be faithful to one another, to be committed to one another, to lay our lives down for one another as husbands to take final responsibility for Mm -hmm. the relationship, um, for wives to want to be a helper and to be, and, uh, to, uh, just, yeah, be a helper in support and all of these things, all of our roles and all of the things about marriage tell us about who God is. God wants to be faithful to us. God is determined to be committed to us. God takes final responsibility for the relationship in that it doesn't matter our sin or, um, you know, how we try to run from him. He takes final responsibility, responsibility to draw us to himself and to hold us and keep us kind of like what you were saying Mm. earlier. God is our helper. Just like you were saying earlier too. Um, 
all of these things about marriage reveal to us deep truths about God and deep truths about the gospel. You know, that's what's cool. Marriage doesn't just tell us about who God is and some like, oh, this helps explain God. But marriage gives us a picture of the gospel mm. and, the, and it, it should blow our minds that it, that if God exists, that this is how he's revealed himself to us. He hasn't revealed himself to us as being some angry tyrant king, but as a lover, a, as someone who wants to pursue us and wants to forgive us and wants to restore us and wants to be near us and keep us and beautify and us. That's what, that's what makes love and marriage so profound and so magical feeling. And so amazing is that it does reveal to us the ultimate reality. And our ultimate reality is who God is and the fact that he feels these ways towards us and that he has gone to great lengths to draw us to himself. Um, and that's how our marriages are heroic because they tell the world the truth. And so we, when we stay married, when we strive to love our spouse, whenever we live through the mundane everyday life of marriage it might not feel super heroic from day to day, but as we live out this story of our love together, um, it truly impacts the world around us because it's reminding the world. It's another signpost in the world, um, reminding the world of who God is and of the gospel, which is amazing. And the beautiful hope is that it's not just what God did and what he is doing. It's what we're headed for. It's pointing towards our ultimate reality, which is to to once again be in perfect marital community with or fellowship with God himself forever. Mm -hmm. It's amazing. Um, That was kind of our last point. I think we kind of crossed over our points a little bit, but marriage puts Christ's love on display. You know, it it puts um, the gospel on display for the world. Uh, you know, I'm not someone who believes that words are unnecessary. You know, there's a whole thing out in the world today where it's like, just, you know, live love and live in action. And you shouldn't have to like say what the gospel is or tell the truth. And I think I don't agree with that. I think speaking the truth in words is very necessary, but I also believe that it's not enough. I believe that our actions and our lives speak something. Our lives and our actions, they tell a story about what we believe and our lives and actions tell the story of what is true or what is untrue. And they either amplify or give greater depths to the meaning of our words, or they can negate the words that we say altogether. And so, um, it's not. It's one thing to live our lives saying that we believe the gospel, saying that God's love is great and wonderful and true. It's it, we can say that, but it, it's even more powerful for us to say that when our lives back it up, when our marriages back that up, when our marriages are a testimony to God's great love for us. And so, um, our marriages literally help put God Christ's love on display. 
Well, I would love to just jump in as we get ready to close down and respond to that. Just thinking about putting Christ's love on display makes me think about this one flesh relationship. We have a song called Two Becoming One uh, that we love to sing over married couples and we've just loved sharing over the years. Uh, But this book really unpacked this two becoming one thought in how our marriages display the love of Christ in a way that was even more profound than I realized Looking at Genesis, when God made this institution of marriage, he says, a man shall leave his father and mother, and then the two shall become one flesh. And honestly, every time I've read that, or when I hear two becoming one, I mean, maybe I'm not alone in this, but the first thing that I think about is sex. I think about one flesh intimacy. Uh, But as we were getting into this book, I realized that there was so much more going on here. And this part of scripture in Genesis is not specifically talking about sexual intimacy, though there's scripture has so much to say about it. It's more about the soldering together of two people uh, holding fast to each other, like two pieces of metal that have been melted together into one. Um, Ray Ortland says it as one mortal life that is fully shared. And because a man and wife are clinging to one another, as long as they both shall live. Uh, He says in real terms, so this helps me, two selfish me's start learning to think like one unified us, building a new life together with one total everything, one story, one purpose, one reputation, one bed, one suffering, one budget, one family, and so forth. Marriage removes all barriers. And that, A, just really challenges me in our marriage to think about being one flesh with you is not just being happy to be associated with you and doing some things together. It is clinging to one another and identifying with one another completely. But then to think about how that displays Christ to the world, when we do that effectively in our marriage, that's exactly what Jesus came to do for us. As our bridegroom, he came and literally took on our flesh so that we could be a part of his body. Mm. And then as the bride of Christ, we take on, they're not just commands to obey, but as his bride, we get to take on his purpose, his reputation as our own, his mission, mm. He, uh, how we spend our money, how we love our spouse, how we raise our kids, how what shows we watch, everything that we do comes under this one flesh relationship that now we have with Christ because he took on our flesh so that we could become his bride. And that for me has made this two becoming oneness, one fleshness of our marriage so much more beautiful than it was to me before when I think about my relationship with Jesus. And and it's helped me see how he's my husband, I think, in a, in a mm. more real way. Because that's been a little bit hard for me, honestly, I think, to connect with. Yeah. But to see that see that displayed so beautifully in marriage and how I want to do the same thing in my relationship with Christ. Man, so good. I know we could talk about this for like hours because it's just beautiful how um, God has buried these amazing truths about himself in this marital relationship. And it just, it, what it does, and I hope it's doing the same for you that are listening, it, it make it gives our mean our marriage such a profound purpose and vision and um, it it helps elevate marriage from just being about me and like how I'm feeling or what I want to to being this 
earth shattering opportunity Mm. to um, show the world about the real love and the the ultimate love and the ultimate reality of Christ's love for us. And so it's amazing. I love it. We, uh, like Emily said, we have a song called two becoming one as we in the podcast today, we thought we would play it for you in case you've never heard that. And, or maybe if you have heard it, maybe you would be encouraged to hear it again. Um, we do have a music video over on YouTube that has almost 2 million views on this song, which is crazy. crazy Um, lots of marriages have loved this song used it in, in their weddings, which we are super honored by did not expect when we put this song out into the world. Um, but we wanted to share it with you, uh, in case it encourages you, uh, to remember to live in light of the fact that your marriage puts Christ's love on display, um, both in the good days and in the hard days. Um, we've got one more episode in coming next week for our, uh, marriage series. And, uh, it, it's not going to necessarily be our last podcast episode on marriage because it seems like you guys have really loved this. So we might be unfolding more thoughts on marriage mm-hmm. throughout, but through the series, we have one more episode coming next week. Um, that's five tips on how to have a healthy marriage. So if you're like, man, I could really just use some practical tips and tricks. We got some for you <laughs> next week. So come and join us next week on the podcast. In the meantime, here's to becoming one and we will see you next week. Bye friends. Here's my hand, it's yours to hold I give myself to you Here's my heart, please make it yours I give my love to you We are two becoming one Here I am, here's all of me You have all that once was mine And here's my promise, I'm yours to hold I'll stay here by your side We are two becoming one to becoming one may what he's joined be not undone may I love but Christ on display when we're weak and when we're strong when it's hard to carry on oh God we want your love on display we are to becoming one Here's my life, I lay it down, I give up myself for you. And here's my will, I submit to you, I will follow where you lead. We are two becoming one. Becoming one, may what he's joined be not undone. 
May Allah have the Christ on display When we're weak and when we're strong When it's hard to carry on Oh God, we want your love on display Oh God, we want your love on display Here we are We're yours and yours alone God, here we are May all your joy be not undone We want the world to see your love through us We want more of We are two becoming one May what he's joined be not undone May Allah have Christ on display When we're weak and when we're strong When it's hard to carry on Oh God, we want your love on display Oh God, we want your love on display to